Hello everyone, you might have heard of us, we are called Scripture Read Badly, and you may not have known that we are on iTunes, which means that most of your favorite podcast apps will easily download us into your phones, so you don't have to go to our website constantly and only listen to it when you're sitting at a desk. And if you would like, in fact, not even if you like, just please rate us so that other people can find us, because we think we're alright. And I assume that you do too, because you're listening to us. So, yes, download us in iTunes or any podcast app and rate us, because that'd be sweet. Kisses for you. This is Scripture Read Badly. A podcast where two grown-up pastor's kids discuss the stories of the Bible in chronological order. Attempting to avoid heresy and generally having a good time. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Ryan. Sit back and rejoice. Today's verse comes from Joshua chapter 2, verse 7. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan, as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. This is the first car chase in the Bible. My name is... In the Bible. My name is Ryan. Welcome to Scripture Read Badly. <laughs> and I am Jeremy, and I love a good car chase, and I can just rem- I can just imagine it now. They're going through the whatever it's called that the cars go through forgotten what it's called the waterways no No. you know when they do the waterways or the little ditch in the thing oh sure yeah called the sewers who cares Uh, anyway today so we're looking at joshua chapter two beautiful start from us today uh and we'll be sorry i I think i i feel i feel the need to explain why i was laughing at the word bible that i said at the beginning (laughs) it's because i I implied that there are more car chases coming in the Bible. Oh, there's but I guess plenty. we'll see. <laughs> there's the Jehu one. That's going to be a good yeah. <laughs> one. I don't know what that... Co- that was a cult or something? There's, I believe there's the one where all of the apostles were in one accord. So they were probably <laughs> driving to I church or something. I see what we're doing. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, Sorry. Back to you. <laughs> I'm going to have to learn some car names to join the party. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know car names at all. Commodore? I don't know. It's <laughs> definitely a Commodore in there or a Gemini. Well, uh, you mentioned Echoes yesterday, so that's oh, another... True. Or the last episode, so that's a, it's another another car. Anyway. My brain is just blanking on car names. The compressor. All right, well. all right so today we're looking at the character of Rahab, <laughs> whom... Mm is also an echo, as we were talking about before, because she's involved in the second sending of spies into the Promised Land. The first sending of spies in the Promised Land was an interesting occurrence because we had not many of them saying, yay, it's the Promised Land, it's beautiful, and many of them say, boo, the people are too big and we'll never do it, Mm. which just flew in the face of what God told them to go there for, but whatever, Mm -hmm. they learned from their 40 years of wandering... And now they sent less spies. I think they only spent, sent two. Yeah, two men secretly. And they wanted to view the land, especially a town called Jericho, which will feature very heavily in a few chapters. Mm-hmm. And the king of Jericho actually figured out that they were there. So they went secretly, but not secret enough. From, so from that, what I understand, Jericho had a bit of a great wall 
around it. That's another car joke. Um, and I wonder if Rahab had an accent. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the car joke in that. Oh, okay, the accent. Yeah, he had an accent. Uh, is there a Great Wall car? Yeah, Great Wall is a is a car company. That I think okay. they've only been around the last few years. Um, maybe the last 15, but I haven't been paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. All right, and then, um, so they sneak into the city, and this is quite a big city because God wants them to take it later. Mm-hmm. And they do, I assume, I don't know this from the text, but I assume they do the whole Assassin's Creed climb a big giant tower and look and then jump into a haystack yes! just to map it out, you know? Yeah. So with an go eagle back. of yep, course an there's eagle. an eagle there and do the whole yep. crouch and then they had the panning yeah. camera they had a drone with them so they could give Joshua a 360 view of the city and yes <laughs> and then they found their way to a lady called Rahab's house I don't understand yep. how they found her but who knows who does they know f- they befriended really? her a little bit and they must have spoken the same language somehow or used elaborate gesticulations yeah. <laughs> enough that she trusted them and she felt like they were from God. So mm. she hid them. And when the men were searching the city on behalf of the king, uh, she lied, I suppose. And then mm. that saved her life. Anyway, that's a quick yep. overview. Would you like to mm-hmm. make some comments on who Rahab actually was? What Rahab, sort of person I- she was? Uh, I believe she was a nice person. Okay. Although, if, if you think about it, there's obviously... Uh, prostitution's obviously a, a bit of a taboo topic in most cultures. Um, so the fact that God chose a prostitute through whom to keep these people safe is quite remarkable. Um Although, but then you've got to ask, how did they find her? Did God uh, lead them to her? Or were they like, this looks like the red light district and prostitutes are friendly. Let's go in here. Oh, well, okay, it could have been either. It, it honestly could have been either. Maybe maybe they had a bit of a prompting to... Um, maybe if they locked eyes with Rahab once and they thought, you know what, there's something about this woman. I think she is a safe person to... True. Um, to hang out with or maybe maybe they thought prostitutes don't usually uh, gel too well with the authorities I mean very true they they would in a certain manner of speaking but not in uh, in the uh, the way of giving away information necessarily um, yep. so maybe because most cultures probably ever tend to keep uh the uh, the world of sex, which is a very private thing, um, keep that very separate from the public uh, their their public work. Yeah, I they think don't usually maybe... put them next to primary schools. Hmm, that's right, and I think also because uh, prostitution is a, despite being <laughs> not a good thing. Um, is quite an intimate occupation. Yes. Uh, 
you often retreat to a tent or to a back room or something like that. Yep. Maybe they maybe they figured they won't look for us in here. Ah, uh, there you or, go. Or if they do come looking for us in here, it'll take them a long time to find us because they'll go to the more respectable people that uh, that they could easily get information out of first or something. But And yes, totally. I've never thought about that. But the text seems to point out that the king knew that the men had gone to her. And that's how mm. the soldiers found him. And then she sat there and lied. And so I think going back to even what you were saying about uh, the red light district isn't so um, close-knit or intimate with the authorities, and even mm-hmm. some red light districts um, govern themselves. And so mm-hmm. maybe they knew the, the men went in there, and then at the last minute they're like, actually, we should go in and talk to their... And I wonder if Rahab was like an influential figure in the red light district and that's why she was communicating to the authorities which happens sometimes that they have a representative or something um and yeah god has a track record of talking to those who may or may not be um pushed to the side of society and you've got to imagine that is what is happening here and so mm-hmm. it's also interesting that she, it's not, the word's not conniving. What's the good word? Like the positive word, she was intelligent, uh, but her, she, anyway, that she had the ability yeah. to, to think through the problem and hide them in such a way and then convince the authorities that they weren't there so that they could escape. There's a she good was word to Trixie. explain all that. She was Trixel. Trixie. She was that sneaky little roller. She was sneaky little. Yeah. Oh, on that, is there a new Lord of the Rings series coming out or something? Uh, yeah, there's there's been rumors of that for a few years, based right. on some of the the lost stories Gross. or some of the characters in the Silmarillion or something. Anyway, um, yes, yes to everything you said. Now, something that uh, is important to point out in the narrative, especially outlined in the ESV, I'm not sure what it's like in other translations, but uh, it says that they lodged at the house of the prostitute named Rahab. So there is, there is, uh, based on that wording, excuse me, it seems to imply that Rahab maybe had an Airbnb or something. Boom, that's the stuff. She, she had a spare inn that you could rent for a night. Um, and so it avoids implying any kind of sexual relations between sure. the Israelites and Rahab, which yeah. I think is is a... I mean, you would have to assume that that is what... Uh, that it did not happen because of the favour that she received in God's sight. Yep. And as we are very familiar with, God does not uh, like adultery very much. And so prostitution, which is effectively adultery for a living, um, is not really his his choice occupation. Although it was the type of thing that was more common uh, back then, I think. Yep. From from what I understand, it was one and of the occupations that women could establish going, themselves yeah. in. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So it it was a it was not necessarily frowned upon, um, yep. especially in a lot of the the non-Jewish societies for for that to be an occupation option for a woman. 
Yep. They could just be a prostitute if they wanted, and they would earn good money. Um, okay, so if we think it's about not like it, they could be the CEO of a multinational back then. Exactly, because of the the patriarchy and everything. Yep. Um, it was very much against them, and they were very limited in the the different things that they could do. Yep. So. Um, if we are to assume that they stayed in a spare room that she had, then perhaps she uh, owned an inn of some kind, or she may have regularly rented out rooms or something like yep. that, or it may have been a brothel that they stayed in. Not sure. But, yeah, e- and I've heard of way, brothels having extra rooms. Right. One of my mm-hmm. friends stayed in one in Hungary, maybe, and she was like, is this a brothel? <laughs> Lols. Wow. Accidental Awkward. brothel. Um, so with that in mind, inns and those types of places that have people coming in and out all the time are common places for people to trade information and to, to check out the lay of the land or the talk of the town or one of those other idioms that means the same thing. Um, basically at the start of a Dungeons and Dragons campaign, you usually end up in an inn and somebody's there with information and they lead you on a quest. That's the type of thing that we're looking at here. They show up to a place where they could probably eat a meal um, and they stayed the night and there were probably other people coming in and out, doing whatever, and they probably got seen in that. That could be how the authorities were notified, perhaps. Very that somebody possible. saw them and thought, they aren't native people of Jericho, they, they are Israelites. I recognise their garments that should have worn out 40 years ago but didn't or whatever it is um they probably had a very different complexion because there was uh, a lot of uh localized gene pool uh with that bloodline and god made sure of that with uh, isaac and jacob's wives so yep um so then some authorities come to their their house and i can't help but think of cory ten boom with the holocaust Yep. And how Corrie ten Boom, she was Dutch, I think. Is that right? Uh, was yes. she Dutch or German? I thought she was I Dutch. Think, I th- okay, yep, I think she's Dutch. Her house is in ten. the Netherlands. Yeah, well, that would make sense. And she was the daughter of a watchmaker, I think. And um, her family, and most famously her... Um, as 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 the owner of the property or whatever, would yep. often hide Jews at the time of the Holocaust when uh, when people were seeking refuge and escape from the oppressive authorities that were just going to take them away take them away to be killed. And her family ended up saving so many Jewish people in their families at this time by hiding them in uh, in different cupboards and and rooms and hidden crevices throughout the yep. house when the authorities came to search and ultimately uh, they were imprisoned and she was uh, in a in a uh, detention camp for quite some time uh, yet her faith remained strong and she became a uh, quite a strong figure in the uh, in the time of World War Two in the Christian faith and yep. has been studied as a um, as a significant person of faith in history since then. So that's what I'm kind of thinking of with Rahab here. These people come in. She probably has no biff with them. 
but she's probably noticed that the authorities aren't going to be too happy. So she says, all right, stay in this room, stay upstairs. They won't go upstairs if I tell them no one's there. They'll probably trust me because as far as occupations go, I seem to be established and respectable somewhat. Um, because I think the fact that the fact that she was a prostitute implies she was not married. And if she was married, then they probably would have gone to her husband and her husband may have given them up. But because she was strong enough to stand her ground to the authorities, that was probably enough for them. Because Could you be married and a prostitute? Alone, I don't know, man. I suppose you can. Uh, it's possible, but... I probably won't like be. True. Yeah. Ryan, the non-prostitute. That's just right. Want, I'm just that conversation with your wife, like, "Hey, uh, we don't have much money. Do you want me to go and become a prostitute?" Yeah. Well, the, the sad is thing like, is, what? I'm sure that throughout history, that type of thing has happened. But oh yeah, most um, definitely. And it, I'm sure in different parts of the world, it still happens today, and it's not. Um, we we can make a joke of it, and that's fine. We're not looking down on anybody that has to have resorted to that and whatever. That's not a discussion for now. Um, so the authorities come and they say, yo, bring out the men that have come to you. We've heard about them. They're in your house. They're here to search out the land and they're wanting to take our city from us. And she says, yeah, those men came to me, but I don't know where they came from and I don't know where they've gone, uh, but they've left. They've gone now. If you hurry, you can you can get them. Um, In fact, I can see um, the exhaust fumes from their car leaving and their tail lights. She's looking yep. out on the distance. Yep. They're driving in some Fords. If you if you can reach the Fords, then you'll probably catch them. Uh, but it turns out they were hidden on the roof because, uh, as I've seen from Sunday school pictures, the roofs in the ancient Near East were often and it isn't just in the ancient Near East but is in a lot of places on the Mediterranean Sea and other other regions like that, the roof is an extra room essentially. It's a, a flat room that they can hang out, they can sit down up there because they didn't have aircon or fans back then so they would need the cool evening air they would often hang out on the roof uh, and the roof was somewhere where you could get a little bit of privacy even within your own home. So she managed to convince the authorities that they they'd left when in fact they were hidden on the top of a house. So there you go. So then what happens? And then we go into this huge paragraph of her telling them why she's hidden them. Like why? Yep. Because she's heard of God and she's heard of um, the people of God and what they've done in their history so much yeah. that she has details connected to it. It's not like, oh, I heard about this big thing back in the day and blah, blah, blah. She goes into details and she even mentions some of the kings that um, were defeated. She talks about... Yep. She even quotes almost Bible. So, for the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. And she has so much faith in this God from what she's heard and possibly mm -hmm. what she's seen in them interacting... She then asks them to deal kindly with her family. Yeah. Like, as she's dealt kindly with them, as she's 
protected them from the authorities and hidden them in their house and let them stay at her house. She's like, but I want you to deal kindly with my family because I know how powerful your God is. And I wonder if she assumes either by what they are saying to her or because she understands what God is doing, that God's about to come and take out her people and her city for Mm -hmm. multiple different reasons. We'll get to that later. But it's just Mm -hmm. so beautiful that this is exactly what God is attempting to do with the surrounding civilizations. Like his... His strength and his love and his um, holiness is he wants it spread so that people actually believe in him and join his people. Yep. And so this is like the perfect example of that happening. And you just wish that the whole town was like this, but the whole town is not like this. Mm-hmm. And they agree to it. They agree that, yes, we will protect your family. Just make sure that you mark your house. And this is like a, a post echo or whatever of when mm-hmm. God came through the Egyptians and said to all the Israelites, or to have whoever believed in God, to put um, the goat blood, or the sheep's blood, I don't remember what animal, on their doorposts, yep. yeah, sheep blood, so that the angel of death came through and didn't touch that house. And just like this, when the angel of death comes to Jericho, he won't touch, or she won't touch, or it won't touch, the door of Rahab because she's put the red thing on it. Mm-hmm. which is once again another echo of what God's doing in the book of Joshua like this isn't a new thing God has principles and God has reasons for doing things and he doesn't usually change mm-hmm. which is why yep. the cycles make no sense because they think he's changed but he hasn't yeah and then he she lets them down by a rope so they yeah, absailed down the city wall <laughs> yeah so she she lives her her house must be built into the wall, mm-hmm. um, which, if you think about that in modern architectural terms, doesn't really make sense. Uh, but if you think of it as I am want to do, either in terms of Assassin's Creed or in terms of living in a castle wall, you can imagine that there is room to walk around. There are corridors. There are doors. There are rooms. There's all the all the places necessary to live within yep. the walls, the strong walls, especially of Jericho. Yep. So it seems as though the walls of this city are extra strong because they are, they are in fact buildings. They are not just yep. whatever six feet uh, thick, but they are more like twenty feet thick. Because yep. they're whole houses, not just a wall. So we have uh, we have a first glimpse into the fact that the walls of Jericho are quite sturdy. They house people. And so, yeah, they, they get to abseil down the wall, like you said. And this is something that kind of happens with some, uh, I believe, a couple of apostles or Paul or somebody in the, yep. somebody in the, in the New Testament. They are let down by a, a rope and there's a basket and something. Yep. Don't really remember that, but I'm sure we'll get to that in the next few years. Yeesh. Uh, we will definitely yeah, get to that. Rahab, like you said, knew of the promises of God and knew of all the great things that he'd done and wanted to be part of it. Um, I suppose she probably, in the fear that she said she had when she said that her heart melted, she probably thought, I don't want to have what happened to them happen to me. And she probably assessed her own heart and thought, 
I would do a lot better with them than by myself. Yep. And then she would have put two and two together with the miracles of Yahweh and what she'd heard of Yahweh as this just deliverer, the the one that protects and provides for these people. And she probably thought, that sounds pretty sweet. I want that. Yep. And what's interesting is she is the great-grandmother of King David. Oh, hello, prostitute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I believe she's the father of... Uh, of What's his name? She's Boaz. She's the father of Boaz, who is the father of Obed, the father of David. Whoa. Yeah. Which is another thing because then Ruth is not a Jew, right? Exactly. Yep, she's so an Amorite. So non-Jew, non-Jew. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, so that means so, Boaz is the non-Jew. No? Oh, because no. his dad's probably Jewish. Yes. Ooh. So... So Rahab, as as I said earlier, probably wasn't married that we know yep. of at this point. But if she was, her whole household, it says, is grafted into Israel. They yep. are spared and effectively become people of Israel. Yep. And yep. we see throughout the Old Testament uh, various times where God says, you will be a light to the Gentiles. I want to deliver the Gentiles, this, that, and the other, about these non-Jewish people and how God wants to save them, wants them to be in right standing with him. Um, And this is one of the first examples that we have, one of the first case studies in the Bible that we have of this happening. There are times where he said, you should uh, love the aliens that live among you, like E.T., you should be like Elliot, don't be like the government officials from Area 51. Nope. Um, Care for the aliens, and I and treat them as if they were children of Israel, and that's what we're going to see with Rahab. I'm I'm pretty sure after the whole Jericho siege, we don't see her very much until she's mentioned as the mother of Boaz, and yep. Ruth was an Amorite. Boaz was Jewish. He would have grown up his whole life as a member of the uh, the children of Israel, um, but. Judging by the age of Boaz in the story of Ruth, he was probably in his 50s or 60s. Ruth would have been a a young woman, probably 20 years old. So this yep. was, timeline-wise, probably 60 years or so before the uh, the story of Ruth. So that's that's interesting. Solid. I think. I should look at a timetable. Um, oh, a timeline, not timetable. Yeah, I'm definitely not going to make different. one. But uh, I'm just going to Google but, it. Yeah, great. You should. Um, so these two spies are not named as far as we know, um, but they are instructed to abseil down the wall and hide in the hills for a few days until the pursuers that Rahab sent off come back with their tails between their legs because they weren't able to find the spies. Yep. Um, and they do that. And they end up getting all the way back to Joshua and being delivered safely back to their own people. Yes, which, same people. Which is pretty spectacular. And the fact that it takes three days, I think we can read that in one sentence and think, oh, yeah, that's easy. But if we were to hide for our lives for three days in the hills, yep, I, I can imagine unless they were very confident in the, the protection of Yahweh, that it would have been a little bit stressful. Yep, definitely. that time. 
because there are only two of them. They weren't with the rest of the people of Israel. Um, but what I think is interesting is that this is uh, they'd already crossed the Jordan. Yep. Those two, they went across the Jordan, spied out the land, checked out the city, made a friend, effectively made an ally who will become crucial to the line of David and the line of Jesus. Um, oh, that, that's another thing. Thinking about Rahab being a descendant of David, she is a descendant of Jesus, and without Rahab, Jesus wouldn't have been born as who he was. So that's... Yep. That's pretty cool. It's uh, super sick. She was no insignificant character, this Rahab. Nope. Um, and she... I don't know. Do you think that if Rahab did not take them in and they just went out uh, the same day that they went in and they weren't found by the authorities and they went back to Israel and they hadn't made an ally, do you think things would have still turned out the way they did? Um. Yes, they still would have okay. seen different parts, and they still would have brought back reports. But then at the end, where is it? Twenty-four. Truly, the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. And so, they still would have known that God is giving them the land, I suppose. But then. Mm. This shows that God's not just interested in trashing countries. He's into the people and he's into... Trashing people. people. Yeah. No. What? Yes. <laughs> no. Trashing people. <laughs> but seeing Sorry. that God is honoured and is believed and is followed by those outside of the Jewish people. Like, this, the plan wasn't just to have a bubble of people that run around trashing things. The idea yep. was that the bubble either does not exist because everyone believes in God or the bubble continually grows. Mm-hmm. Which is yep. interesting in echoing into the modern day church. We are usually a bubble that has an us and them approach as opposed to a let's get this bubble growing because everyone belongs with us. Yeah, an inclusive bubble. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yes. So, uh, with Rahab saying that their hearts melted away before them, that was what prompted the spies to tell that to to, to Joshua. I need to get used to yep. saying Joshua now. Um, he he, they wouldn't have known that all the inhabitants of the land were afraid of them, or afraid of Yahweh, if okay. they hadn't made friends yep. with Rahab and she hadn't blessed them. I guess. Yeah, I see what you're saying, and I agree. Okay. Great. So then that means that they were able to call the bluff of the the inhabitants of Jericho when they yep. ended up marching around and were taunted. Yeah, which is the complete opposite of what happened with the last spies because they were like, oh, the giants are big, they're going to trash us. But now from the inside, they know that they weren't. Yeah, they okay. Were great. great. Okay, so this is the redemption of the spying out of the land. Yep, very much. Great. So that failure, 40 years previously, uh, 40 years previous, is what led to this success this time around because they did something different. They didn't just yep. spy it out from a distance, but they made a friend yep. and they were able to see it from the inside. Okay, great. And they communicated Wonderful. it well. Like they could have said some negative aspects because there may have been some negative aspects. 
but sure. they, didn't. they just reported that they, they're they hard said, for melting. This wall is really thick, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, that's that's something to think about. Um, Jeremy, do you have anything else to say about Rahab before we bring this episode to a close? Uh, in uh, Bible class, Bible study, kids' Bible, yep. whatever it was called. Uh, Sunday school? Sunday school. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> she was always dressed in red and she always had like really long black hair. Yeah. And then... Like Esmeralda I, from uh, exactly. the of Notre Dame. And I still remember the pictures of them being hidden underneath the straw and it just looked really uncomfortable. But <laughs> well, good story. I've played Assassin's Creed. I know how hiding in straw feels. I mean, See, looks. It's so good. It just <laughs> protects you from everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I agree. I, I think. Sorry, I think um, just on that scarlet thing. I think because of the scarlet cord that she ties on her doorpost, maybe that is what uh, what prompts everybody to dress her in red. Or it could also be that the red was symbolic of. Uh, love and lust and passion something Ooh, like that love and lust and passion lots Isn't of red things lust like orange <laughs> rust yeah but yeah R- i just said I totally rust agree. lust is rust there we go lust is rusty mm-hmm. uh yes it's interesting that we take the one color that's mentioned in the passage and just paint the whole scene with it yeah. <laughs> it's like he said red it must be all red yeah, so, and that's why all the pictures of Joseph and his coat are so full of colours. Not only yeah. the coat, but everything is colourful. Everything. His skin is just glittery. Yeah. Glitter skin. <laughs> Glitter skin. I wonder where else in the Bible we do that. Hmm. Like, what uh, other I know parts I'm Lydia? Like, it's green. Yep. Lydia's someone. Purple. Yep. Purple, yep. Because she was a weaver of purple cloth. Uh, so people are like, well, and she must have been dressed in purple all the time. I don't know about that. I don't know. If if you That's worked true. at H&M and sold some very expensive clothes, yet didn't necessarily make enough to your, to help yourself to the clothes, would oh, you true. be seen wearing the expensive clothes? I don't know. Nah, I'd be in track pants and a singlet. Yeah. <laughs> if you worked at Tarot Cash, would you always wear a suit? Outside oh, of work. They would probably... Or not outside of the work, but probably yeah. at the work, they would force you to wear something nice. Mm-hmm. Like... Um, okay, well, so then, then maybe cut-offs. maybe Lydia had a, uh, a purple uniform for her job. True. Maybe. But she made them, so maybe she was in work clothes, like, mm. that had stains on them. So like a mechanic. Not, yeah, exactly, with oil and... Yeah, stained with oil. Just yeah. grease... The, one-piece jumpsuit. Yeah. <laughs> the coveralls. Yeah. That's what she was wearing, I'm sure. Um, and do you have a blessing or some advice? I do. I do. But first, I want to encourage the listeners, if you can think of any uh, other passages in the Bible where we have uh, colored a character a certain way or a story a certain way in our depictions of them, then please let us know. We're on all the social medias, of course, and we're also on Gmail, and we have a Patreon uh, that you can sign up for if you feel so inclined, and you'll get an episode, a new different episode every couple of weeks. 
uh, on different topics that we address throughout the Bible, which is fun. We've done episodes that have been on discerning the will of God, on uh, food in the Bible, on uh, what else have we done, Jeremy? Uh, technology. And yeah, the future. Mm-hmm. Did we do one on music? I don't remember. No, we haven't yet. <laughs> and then was the divorce one a public or a Patreon one? That was public, yeah. But it's right. those types of topics. If you liked the, the discussion that we had, without needing to agree with everything we said, uh, oh, when you we talked about divorce with everything we said. the other week, <laughs> then by all means, uh, check out our Patreon and uh, and we would be happy to have you jump on board and you can you can have a little bit more say in the direction that we go with some of these episodes which is pretty cool we've had some listener suggested topics and we've tackled some of them with some good feedback so pretty happy about that um super happy i do have some advice uh and the advice is regardless of where you work in what occupation uh, you should wear coveralls. I think especially if you work at Terracash or H&M, just wear coveralls. Make sure there's plenty of oil stains on them. That will make you a little bit more accessible, I think, to the everyman. So, yeah, We're take a leaf out of Lydia's man. book. We are the everyman, in fact. Ooh, that is true. And I have a sister, Lydia, so this blessing works. I mean, Whoa. this advice works. Great. Well, all right, I also have a, a blessing to go along with that. And it is, may all your coveralls be covered all in oil, and may all your oil cover all your coveralls. Boom. Like the beard of Aaron. Boom. <laughs>